0: sought after for their success, and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor.
1: Welcome. This is Tom Laurie and my guest mentor today is George Randall former U.S. Army company commander and now a talent warrior at Forcepoint, one of our nation's premier cybersecurity firms where he serves as the VP of Global Talent Acquisition. George has teamed up with Mike Sorrell, a retired Navy SEAL and CEO of EF Overwatch, an executive search firm, to author the recently released The Talent War, How Special Operations and Great Organizations Win on Talent. This is an outstanding guide to hiring, not just finding people to fill seats, but the best who can move an organization forward. In it, they explore how the US Special Operations Forces build teams that assess, select, and develop world-class talent. Good day there, George, welcome.
2: Thank you, Tom. It's so good to be on. Such an honor.
1: So, what uh, prompted you to write The War on Talent?
2: Well, I, I think in the back of my mind, spending 20 years from now in talent Acquisition, um, there was always kind of a book in me. I'd always seen it done so, so poorly, so, so wrong, where it was really just kind of butts and seats. Um, but I, you know, just couldn't get it all to come together. And I read it to Mike Cirelli, and, and we just had this serendipitous moment with his 20 years of special operations around the world, 11 combat deployments. And, and we just sat down, and, you know, he wanted me to be an advisor for you at Overwatch. And we are both look at each other, and he goes, you know, we really need to write a book about this. And so it was kind of one of those things where just it's like a light bulb went off. And so we're like, okay, let's get to work.
1: And what is the war on talent?
2: Well, the, the war on talent, as we describe it, is just an endless war um, to get the best talent in your company. You know, we've said that, you know, the U.S. military, a lot of people think it's the most powerful force in the world, but it's actually the economy. And what what powers the economy is talent. And, you, you never, ever, the war is just never, ever over. It, it's not just simply about people; it's about talented people, and that talent is truly the only competitive advantage you can hope to maintain as a company. Products change, services change, everything is changing. Anybody listening knows at just this blinding speed. But the, but the things that help you adapt and attack and win is talent.
1: And since you draw an analogy to Special Operations Forces, tell us what makes Special Operations Forces so special.
2: Well, one of, the, one of the first things about Special Operations is that nobody comes to any one of the Special Operations, the Navy SEALs, the Air Force PJs, the U.S. Army Green Berets, uh, Marine Recon, and, and there's a few others. Nobody comes with prior experience. So they had by, had to, by default, become experts in potential-based hiring. And so what they began looking for, because they can teach all of the skills, all of the things that they need to do, they had to become experts in identifying the attributes that made somebody successful in what we call VUCA environments, volatility, uh, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, and people that could adapt and win in any circumstance. And so that special operations mindset, refined and, and honed over half a century, has become a great model for selecting and developing talent.
1: So when you mentioned VUCA, again, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, amb- ambiguity. I work in the uh, startup industry for healthcare and it perfectly describes what it's like being in a startup. <laughs> It's, yeah. uh, so, when I read that, I, uh, I that resonated with me. So the, the emphasis then is on, uh, from what I understand, you hire for character and train for skill. What is the difference between personality and character?
2: So personality is just simply the outward expression what people see. Of most of your attributes um, and, and it's, it's like uh, for lack of a better term judging a book by its cover uh, no pun intended of talking about the book today but it, you know it's the personality it's what we see and people can put those things on in, in many different ways but your character attributes are what are really driving you that's what's enabling you to be successful to be adaptable Uh, to work with teams, to build teams, to lead teams, uh, to innovate, to do all kinds of things. So when people are interviewing, it's a very, very common and and, and easily understood mistake that we're trying to hire people whose personalities that we like, or at least bias biases towards looking at other things that aren't character-based.
1: And we've seen a trend in the sports world over the last, what, 10, 15 years, I, I, I rather, they're looking at players based on character uh, and it seems like that now has, well, obviously it's been at the special forces for many years, but I'm seeing more and more of a trend in the sports world, particularly with the college level and the uh, pro level of uh, really zeroing in on character. Uh, tell me more about how character is developed what what so, bring? I mean, when you look at, you're looking when you're looking at an individual, it's static. So, but they got there somehow. How is that character developed? So uh,
2: a lot of that is, you know, first of all, there's some play of DNA in there, I believe, um, but it's how you've responded, how you've responded, absorbed, you've internalized, you know, the lessons in your environment as you've gone through life. And, and the examples that you've had in your life to influence you as to what's right and wrong, what's good and bad, what's valued, what's not valued. So, you know, if you've grown up in an environment where, you know, you're on your own, you're completely selfish, um, and you, you've been a solo person and it's all about you, then, you know, it's a character attribute that we talk about in the book, team ability is probably going to be one of those things that you're missing and, and that you can screen for. And it's so interesting that you said football was using it. We we were very, very fortunate to have a, a good friend and colleague of ours, a guy named Brian Decker, who re-engineered the Special Forces, Army Special Forces assessment selection. And he was hired in to be the Vice President of Player Development for the Indianapolis Colts. And so he's one of those people that really spearheaded bringing that look and character into professional sports and the reason it becomes so important is you know anybody can exhibit great traits when you're winning and things are easy and and your skills when you're winning your skills come out there really easy you're in the zone it's the times of difficulty the times of stress the VUCA environment that we talked about where those character attributes really really come out And really, really mean the most when you're behind in a football game, you're behind in a soccer game, baseball game, you know, you're going to put your head down. Do you have the drive? Do you have the resiliency that we talk about in the book? And so it's no doubt that professional sports teams have now started leaning into that because that's what counts the most.
1: And can it be strengthened over time? I mean, is it just static or is it uh, dynamic? No,
2: I think it's dynamic. And, you know, we wrote this book about selection assessment. As we got to the end of the book, our last chapter, it was really hard to put a button on the book, if you will. And one of the things that we just decided to say was the last chapter is you can't hire or fire your way to success. You must coach, you must mentor, you must train, and you absolutely must lead. You you can take B players and turn them into A players with good coaching, with good mentoring, with good examples in a great environment.
1: Well, we're gonna come back in a few minutes uh, with our guest mentor talent warrior, George Randall. And we've been exploring how US Special Forces build teams to assess, select, and develop world-class talent. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio.
3: Hi, I'm the executive producer of the Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. feelgreat.vip to learn more. Better life,
4: better business. Hi, I'm Christoph Naur. I'm a certified business and life coach, helping business owners increase productivity, profits, and improve personal life. I'm the founder of Balance Six. Money, health, relationship, time management, self-improvement, and higher power. I coach business owners to work smarter, not longer, to have time for better personal life. I hold you accountable for making time available to Balance 6, to nurture yourself and your relationships, and making more money with less stress. Get off the hamster wheel, and I will show you the secrets to real success. In case you're wondering about my accent, I came from Switzerland more than 30 years ago, but I assure you, my coaching will be in excellent English. Visit our website at balance6.biz. That's balance6.biz.
0: And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: Welcome back. I am Tom Laurie, and our guest today is talent warrior George Randall, who, with a retired Navy SEAL, co-authored The Talent War, which is an exceptional guide to how we can apply what the Special Forces have learned about recruiting. Remember, you can listen to this show or any previous show via podcast or on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, Google, and more on any device, anytime. Subscribe at thementorsradio.com. So, George, just so I don't lose, uh, forget, I have a question that's a, a burning question: How yeah. many SEAL teams? How many SEAL teams are there? <laughs>
2: well, that number keeps changing, and I, I <laughs> and I'm not sure it's one of those things although Mike has shared with me that I'm allowed to put it into the public domain. And, and, and it's funny that you ask that, because one of the challenges of writing the book is we make sure that we cleared this through the Department of Defense. And there were some things that we ended up having to redact, but uh, we made sure in this book that we've absolutely made everything for public consumption.
1: So we never will know. That's a secret. I, I, every time I hear SEAL Team 6, I wonder, well, where, well, how come we don't hear about SEAL Team 1 and SEAL Team 3? And is there a 10 or a 50? So anyways, we'll leave, it, we'll, leave, we'll leave it at that. So we were talking about character in the last segment. Uh, yeah. One of the things I learned uh, in, in the world that I live in, uh, which is the world of business and particularly startups now, uh, there was an article... That was published in the Harvard Business Review, I believe, back in 1970, believe it or not, and they talked a lot uh, or they addressed the issue of success and how important your first two bosses are. Have you, I mean, is that true as well when you're talking about when people come into the SEALs and who their mentors are or who, I mean, you have a whole gaggle of people that are working with them, but does that play a role as well? Yeah, I think
2: it's hugely important, uh, you know, especially if people fresh out of college or entering their first job. Um, those examples are lasting examples, and, and they usually leave an indelible mark on a person. Um, those with really strong character traits, though, are going to look at those bad bosses and say, hey, that's an example of what I don't want to do, and I don't want to be like that person, and they find the way to become eventually a better boss. But it's interesting, you know, in the recruiting industry, it's a common phrase, and in human resources, is that people don't leave companies, they leave bad bosses. So, bad bosses, not only do they negatively impact new hires, um, but they negatively impact and really, you know, it's a big burden for your company.
1: Well, I, I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but I want to switch gears a little bit and go to, yeah. uh, in terms of an organization. You talk about talent mindset. Tell us about the a talent an organizational that has talent mindset. What is that all about? So
2: as I said earlier, the the first thing that Mike and I were trying to get across is that special operations they start with a talent mindset, which is really the belief that your most important asset is your human capital, is your people and what they what's contained between their ears. That's first and foremost that in business, we believe a talent mindset is reflected when people truly believe at their core that the only true competitive advantage that they can hope to achieve and maintain is their true talent. And one of the ways that we say later on in the book of how you notice that is when companies treat their human capital with the same rigor, discipline, and focus as they would and they do with their financial capital
1: and some companies may believe that but they may not be doing that i mean there's a lot of lip service to this as well
2: well yes right tom we see that time and time again a lot of lip service to it and and we we all hear that phrase we've heard it too many times people are our most valuable asset but then you see the you know the common mistakes of fear-based hiring of of butts and seats of uh, not structuring HR to be strategic or HR being a strategic function and, and settling for mediocrity. You know, somebody in that seat is better than nobody. And so, yeah, those words often ring hollow, and, and we see too many companies that, that we've worked with um, that, that don't have that talent mindset or aren't willing to make that investment or that acknowledgement of all that can be gained out of a strong, talented team.
1: This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the mentors radio show. We're talking to George Randall about how special operation forces recruit and assess talent approaches we can all adopt in building effective organizations. So when you talk about um, this problem, how, how would one go about to determine whether or not they have a talent problem?
2: Well, there's, there's, Frankly, there, there's a lot of times, and, and people usually don't see them right off the bat. But we start out, if your revenue is down or flat, your sales are declining, you, you probably have a talent problem. If your employee engagement scores keep slipping, or you have high attrition where you don't think you should, you have a talent problem. If your productivity, if your efficiency, if all of those things are trending down or flat or... Worst case, you're not innovating. You're not growing and developing new products or services or improving your services. First thing you need to be looking at, Mike and I believe, is absolutely your talent.
1: And there must be some organizational assessment tool that you you and Mike use when you go into a company?
2: Well, we usually do, but the first thing that we do is start interviewing generally the C-suite because we want to understand how they look at human capital. And, you know, building a team is a subset of leadership. And so people, uh, many times, many leaders in the company will just look at it. And and one of of the things we do is we also, believe it or not, we look at the compensation of the head of HR, which statistically is one-third of the C-suite counterparts the first thing we do are talking with the executive to see what their belief is and what they're trying to get to.
1: And uh, I, I think what we'll do is we'll go to break and come back. When I come back, I want to talk about the HR function, uh, which is something that, great. that uh, I've, Learned about over the years and had to manage as well. So we're going to be back in a few minutes with our guest mentor, talent warrior, George Randall. And we have been exploring how U.S. Special Operations Forces build teams that assess, select, develop world-class talent. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show.
5: A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award-winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at OathBook.org. That's OathBook.org, oathbook.org.
6: Here at the Mentors Radio, we've been working hard to help you succeed in every way possible that's why we're proud to let you know about our newest find bettercreditdeal.com bettercreditdeal.com links you to a credit processing company cornerstone payment systems that truly shares your ethical values and that can give you lower rates immediately they don't just say it they prove it to you their commitment to ethical behavior is rock solid for example unlike most other credit processing companies something you may not have known before cornerstone refuses to process any porn related business they're not newbies either the company we recommend has more than 50 years experience and provides 24 7 in-house support see what they can do for you today go to bettercreditdeal.com that's bettercreditdeal.com bettercreditdeal.com
0: And now, back to the mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: Welcome back. I'm Tom Lawyer. Our guest today is talent warrior George Randall, who, with a retired Navy SEAL, co authored The Talent War, which is at, uh, available on Amazon and other places everywhere. And we'll put a footnote on it on our website as well, so you can order it through our website. Uh, it's an exceptional guide on how we can apply what the special forces have learned about recruiting. Remember, you can hear us on the Salem Radio Network Saturdays in California and Texas, and iHeartRadio everywhere else, and then online anytime at thementorsradio.com or on any podcast platform. I want to switch gears again and talk about HR. Uh, I've run companies for years, and uh, I have found HR people to be uh, typically to be peculiar folks. Uh, and and a good friend and a good well you know they they operate they're supposed to represent the company and represent the employees Mm -hmm. they're kind of a face of the employee to the executives and a face of the company Mm -hmm. to the uh, to the employees Uh, but not all HR functions are uh, function well Uh, some of them have uh, biases you can be misled as a CEO of companies I've been misled by HR people uh, and I can also understand the problem if they're, uh, they're not listening to the employees and, uh, a, a good friend of mine who I know, you know, Ram Sharan, uh, talks often about the HR function and why they don't have a seat at the executive table in a company. What has been your experience with HR and maybe some curative measures for people to think about with our, with regards to HR? They, they, as I agree with you, uh, should be one of the most important functions in a company.
2: Yeah, you know, and I've had an awful lot of similar experiences, Tom, and it was one of the driving factors originally when I started thinking a book because, you know, I started my career enlisted, became an officer in the Army, and eventually found my way into talent acquisition, and frankly, I don't know anybody on the planet that grows up thinking, hey, I want to be a recruiter. But the common thread for me was building teams and the impact of teams. And so I got into the function. But when I got into the function, I felt like I was on an island, believe me, because talent acquisition is usually a a subordinate function of the greater HR. And I would see the the very, very same things. You know, the, the curative, but before we get to the curative real quick, one of the greatest quotes that we have in the book was a mentor and coach of mine, Tracy Keogh, who's the CHRO of HP. And she was at an executive meeting, um, and actually she was the one that brought Meg Whitman into HP. And an executive said, hey, Tracy, we're glad to have you at the table. And without missing a beat, she looked at the other executive and said, we are the table. And so <laughs> it's – and I've always loved that quote because it's really, really true. It's the essence of any company is our people. And Mike and I took great pains in this book not to play – you know, blame or put the problem on the shoulders of the C-suite, especially CEOs, because they have so much going on. But we do need for C-suite executives to be looking and treating HR as a strategic function. But more importantly, your HR team has to become strategic. They have to be thinking, acting, and operating in a strategic way, bringing people solutions to business problems. You know, they have to be students of the business, first and foremost. It's one of the things when I build high-performing recruiting teams. You know, while HR people can be great at doing payroll and benefits, pulse surveys, all the different many things that are essential that they do, that are administrative, and I don't want to overlook those. But we should be students of the business, not simply order takers for an adjunct overhead function. HR has got to learn to make themselves a strategic value to tell the story about how they can influence business outcomes through their plans, their actions, and their ideas. And and the CEOs in the C suite need to allow them to do that. And the first thing is, is that, you know, when we talked to Joe DePinto, the CEO of 7 Eleven, he said, I don't go anywhere and make any decision without my CHRO. And many times, and I I wanted to bring this up because it's one of the special operations forces' truths, which is that most special operations forces require non-special operations assistance. And it means that you need to have A players in your HR function. And so when you get butts and seats mentality, when you get people just to do an administrative or operational or what you think might be a menial task with regard to people, Immediately, that function is relegated to not being strategic and not being students of the business. If I if I were to leave people with any thought, it would be that you should expect and demand that every HR professional is a student of your business, of your department, of your team, and know all the people issues top to bottom.
1: This is Tom Lohr. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We're talking with George Randall about how special operation forces recruit and assess talent, approaches we can all adopt in building effective organizations. So let's flip that around. I've been an operating person most of my life, and I've uh, interfaced with the HR function. Uh, and I, you know, I found that there's a disconnect, not only with HR to the business, but with managers to the human resource function and we see this divide uh, as i've mentioned to you i run a uh, ministry for people that have lost their jobs and i hear and we've helped about six thousand people over 20 years and i hear this a lot about the hr function and then the hiring manager and one of the one of the things i want to get to is interviewing skills i mean i i could tell you more stories about people that go into a company hr them through the vetting process at least at the stage one and they go into some kind of an interviewing format that is totally dysfunctional uh, where people are Mm -hmm. totally untrained Uh, so
2: (laughs) you, i can't count how many millimeters of enamel i've taken off my teeth by grinding my teeth when i see that very same thing when people aren't trained and so absolutely, HR has to be just like you're teaching leadership or you're instructing onboarding, you're assimilating people to the company or going through compliance. You need to put even more rigor into training your interviewing team, and you need to make sure that you're selecting A players to interview. Because that's one of the big problems is, is above and beyond training people how to interview and assess for these nine attributes. It's very critical to understand that A players can see A players. B players and C players in the interview process are not going to select generally people that are better than them, or they're not going to recognize those attributes. But those true A players that have the humility, that have the discipline, and have the drive and team ability to look at somebody and say, hey, that person, that young man, that young woman, they're going to be better than me. I want them on this team. They need to be in your interviewing process. And then those eight players, you need to have a very standardized process all the way through that you know what you're looking for. And I want to kind of digress a little bit. One of the big things about training the people to interview for a position, it starts way back up in the planning process. How are you defining what success looks like in the roles that you're going to need and eventually recruit for? And then you train people how to interview. Most of the interview training you get is what questions not asked so that you stay legally compliant. But HR ha- has to step forward and really... I mean, if your CHRO walks into the CEO's office and says, look, I have a way to make sure that you get the best talent by training your people, your A players, to be great interviewers and assess these attributes that we need based on the success profiles we've created, that's a strategic and helpful HR person. But you're absolutely right. It's... It can be frightening to see what people ask and do in an interview.
1: So one of the early experiences of my career is when I was graduating uh, from college, I was uh, in a period when engineers were in short supply. I had 25 interviews as a senior, and I had 25 uh, trips and 25 wow. job offers. Uh, and uh, so think about it. I had all these HR people coming in, to, and I was at Notre Dame at the time, and it came in Uh, To recruit, Uh, but the company that I went to was Honeywell, and I had all sorts Mm -hmm. of job offers, as I said. But they brought in a first-line engineering supervisor, uh, and he was my interviewer, and he got me so excited about working for Honeywell uh, that I ended up there. Again, it was not a HR; he was trained in interviewing, but he Mm -hmm. could tell me all about what they really did. I found that to be extremely impressive. Then I went on to another company, and they had me go out as a company president and interview on college campuses as well. And I think that uh, involvement of the operating team on recruiting was extremely, uh, not only was it rewarding, but it certainly uh, was effective.
2: Oh, absolutely, and uh, you know, what's interesting about the talent acquisition function that I've been in for 20 years, and you have to have a little bit of a masochistic gene to be in it for that period of time, I think is, you know, you're dealing with two ends of an equation that can both say no to the proposition when you're putting those two people together. But one of the things that I've noticed is that there's some kind of internal arrogance many times with people that interview, and they think, well, yeah, that person should want to work here. And what made the difference in your case was a person who could tell you why it was great to work there that understood once they found the right attributes in you they began explaining how you would be better here in this company they knew their company mission they knew their company value proposition and they knew how to sell it and tell you why developing your career at honeywell was the best place that is something above and beyond interviewing training that i would love to get across to hiring managers is once you find that person you have to tell us why this is the best place because true talent has choices in, in any market up or down.
1: Well, it was very effective. And we're going to be back in a few more minutes with our guest mentor, talent warrior, George Randall. We're exploring how U S special operation forces build teams that assess, select and develop world-class talent. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the mentors radio. Hey,
7: professional business women. I know how busy your life is to so look your best. Nails matter. The good news is I can save you a lot of nasty, chemical-smelling nail salon time. Just imagine, a perfect manicure in just minutes at home, even while watching TV. No dry time, no smudges, no streaks, and your new manicure will last up to 10 days, often longer. I'm talking about 100% real nail polish. Yes, real nail polish, including top and base coat all in one that can gently be stretched for a perfect custom fit. Gorgeous, vibrant colors, soft pastels, gentle glitter or can't miss designs and nail art. You have options for about $12 a set. You can even get some free. Choose your colors or designs. Receive them in about three days. Done. Everything you need is included. Polish easily removes and does not damage nails. Check it out. Nails4Me.com. Nails, the number four, M-E dot That's Nails4Me.com.
3: Hi, I'm the executive producer of the Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than one million fans, one million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's V-I-P, like very special person. feelgreat.vip to learn more.
0: And now... Back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: Welcome back. I'm Tom Laurie, and our guest today is Talent Warrior George Randall, who with a retired Navy SEAL co-authored The Talent War, which is an exceptional guide to how we can apply what the special forces have learned about recruiting. So I want to come back to character for a second. Uh, yeah, I was in a conversation uh, with Ram Sharan over the weekend. And we were talking about uh, character, and how important it is. And as he said, you know, it hasn't the the leadership hasn't really changed over the history of man and what it is, and we the do. need for character hasn't changed. But now the question is, how do you evaluate? So you're now talking to somebody. How do you evaluate character? What is it that? Sh- what kind of questions? What do you do? I and why don't you talk a little bit about the nine core character attributes of talent and high performance as well? Sure. We,
2: you know, Mike and I had um, probably one of our longest and most vigorous discussions. And if you have an army and a navy guy having a vigorous discussion, you could probably tell I'm I'm understanding how it went. But each one of the special operations groups had. Uh, anywhere from 8 to 15 attributes. And what we tried to do was synthesize down to the most important nine. And those came down to as follows. Number one, drive. And I, and I'm gonna, I don't have these in any particular order except the one that I say for last. Drive, resiliency, adaptability, integrity, effective intelligence, team ability, curiosity, emotional strength, And the one that we say for last is the one that the Army added to their leadership manual and arguably produced more leaders than any other organization in the world, and that is humility. And so how do you dig into those? Going back a little bit, when I said defining success, you're not necessarily going to want to evaluate all nine attributes in any given interview. But if you do find a three or four, what we're suggesting is find the three or four that are necessary and for success in that particular role. And by the way, these attributes are more predictive of success than prior performance. But you need to be asking questions, even on integrity. I mean, have you ever been in an interview, time where somebody's asked you about integrity? It's kind of a, a given. But we all know yeah, we all know, you know, integrity was one of the values on the wall of Enron and we know how that worked out. But have you ever asked a simple question like, can you give me an example of where you had to take the hard path and stand with integrity and say yes or no to a situation? Or where you had to, despite consequences to yourself or to your team, act and speak with integrity. Those are questions you just don't see in the interview process. Resiliency. Absolutely, you should be asking every candidate about failing. And not just how they failed, but what did they learn? What did they do afterwards? You know, where was that failure? Are they being authentic and telling you that, hey, yeah, I failed. I tried something big. You know, we were talking to Tracy Teo and Don Robertson in the book, and Don Robertson is the CHR of Northwestern Mutual. He said, him and Tracy both said, I don't want somebody who hasn't failed. It's just that they're not, you know, they're definitely not driven. You know, team ability. Talk about how they build a team. What is their role in a team? If they're a leader making the decisions and three people have better ideas, which idea you're going to go with and see how the candidate responds. If you look at each one of these nine attributes, you can come up with a myriad of questions. And mind you, Mike, and I think there's no perfect question. But you've got to find a standardized way to dig into these attributes to see if they exist. And one last point. The reason that these are so important to special operations is that the most stressful moments in combat and the most stressful moments in life, skills degrade. Decision making generally is at its most challenged point. And what a human's going to fall back on are the character attributes. And if they have that character of team ability and drive and resiliency and integrity, when those skills start to decline, or when there's a moment of complete chaos and panic, they're able to detach and use those built-in compass points and arrows to go in the right direction and to act with integrity and to to compete and win.
1: And one of the ones I, I found, uh, really interesting and it just makes a lot of common sense effect just briefly talk about effective intelligence what is effective intelligence everyone gets hung up on PhDs and schools and whatever what but I I'm with you on effective intelligence why don't you just give us a, a sense of what that's all about
2: yes yeah, one of the, the harder things to to describe to people but why it was very very critical in special operations because you're not always dealing with perfect data you know for us it, it is a part of intellectual horsepower we do want smart people you know you, you you have to be you have to have a certain level of smarts but intelligence is important but only to a point you know after after you see that somebody's intelligent you're you're looking for somebody who can pull things, data points, situations, environmental conditions that aren't necessarily connected and put them into a cohesive picture with courses of action. People where there's no plan, where there's a completely chaotic or uncertain environment in front of them, and they can look around in the environment, get the necessary intel, and put data points that are seemingly disconnected into one cohesive picture
1: for a team or people to act. And when you were going through these attributes and asking the questions, I was fascinated with the questions themselves. I am always fascinated with questions. That's the nature of what I do in this, mm-hmm. this on the show. But do you have, I, I think a, I'm thinking about small business people, people in startups, people who have not come out of large companies do you have any kind of a, a a list of sample questions people could use for each of these attributes? This, or Maybe that's a subject for another book, but it, it seems to me there would be, based on your experience and everything, an opportunity to write something and provide a guide, not that they answer all the questions, but give people a sense of the kinds of questions you want to ask for each of these attributes.
2: We Mike and I are adding those to, to book number two, But we do have a few in the book that we we do like to to ask specifically, uh, especially on team ability. You know, tell us about how you were able to build a team where your predecessor had not. Tell me about a team that was completely dysfunctional that you were able to build. Tell me a time when you had the most – tell me about your most serious or significant career setback and you start learning about resiliency. Tell me about a time you failed. They're not actually complex questions, Tom. They're just forcing the person to think and tell you a story to reveal how they think in their mindset.
1: Well, I mean, you guys are experts at it and you know what you're going for. I'm just saying a lot of us out here are operating people and looking for what are the best questions to ask. I think you have an opportunity there for add that to your next book. So we're gonna be back okay, for yeah. our last segment with Last segment with George Randall, we'll be talking about special forces and we we'll are talking about recruitment. You can find all of our show notes and links at the mentorsradio.com. When you're there, make sure you subscribe so you do not miss any of our shows. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio.
4: Better life, better business. Hi, I'm Christoph Naur. I'm a certified business and life coach helping business owners increase productivity, profits and improve personal life. I'm the founder of Balance 6. Money, health, relationship, time management, self-improvement, and higher power. I coach business owners to work smarter, not longer, to have time for better personal life. I hold you accountable for making time available to Balance 6, to nurture yourself and your relationships, and making more money with less stress. Get off the hamster wheel and I will show you the secrets to real success. In case you're wondering about my accent, I came from Switzerland more than 30 years ago, but I assure you, my coaching will be in excellent English. Visit our website at balance6.biz. That's balance6.biz.
5: A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the US Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award-winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at OathBook.org. That's OathBook.org. oathbook.org.
6: Here at Mentors Radio, we've been working hard to help you succeed in every way possible. That's why we're proud to let you know about our newest find, BetterCreditDeal.com. BetterCreditDeal.com links you to a credit processing company, Cornerstone Payment Systems, that truly shares your ethical values and that can give you lower rates immediately. They don't just say it, they prove it to you. Their commitment to ethical behavior is rock solid. For example, unlike most other credit processing companies, something you may not have known before Cornerstone refuses to process any porn-related business. They're not newbies either. The company we recommend has more than 50 years' experience and provides 24-7 in-house support. See what they can do for you today. Go to BetterCreditDeal.com. That's BetterCreditDeal.com. BetterCreditDeal.com. And now... Back to the
0: Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: Welcome back. I'm Tom Lauer. Our guest today is author George Randall, who with a retired Navy SEAL co-authored The Talent War. And we're talking about special forces and how they recruit and how we can uh, adopt some of their uh, programs for building the best organizations we can. So in this last segment, uh, I got a couple of questions uh, with regards to you. Uh, okay. What's the major theme in your What's the major theme in your life story?
2: Well, above and beyond family, I, I would say for me, it's uh, been giving back, um, and especially the veterans. Um, I I was so fortunate to be a part of the world's greatest leadership incubator, U.S. military. And after I transitioned, I've spent so much time trying to help veterans uh, where and when I can. Um, it, it, it's just, it's just what I owe the people that I served and worked with all around the world.
1: So I have uh, talked to George, and we're going to bring him back uh, next year to talk a little bit more about his work with the veterans. You have a blog or something? You do? You have a pretty active program with veterans, don't you?
2: Uh, We do, and we do through EF Overwatch, and we've just started this thing called the Talent War Group, which is uh, 30 of the most select and special leaders that come from a military background, and we're creating blogs and videos. Literally, we started a couple weeks ago, and we're now doing LinkedIn live sessions about the best lessons in leadership and teamwork and humility, all of those attributes that we talk about. And so that we're, we're building out the webpage should be live at the end of the month called the Talent War Group. And so it's a great way for for veterans and for other people to learn about military leadership and how leadership, like Ron said, it it hasn't changed that much. And it is constant between business and the military. The principles are the same.
1: So we got a short time. I got two questions, so be quick. First one is because you brought it up and I wanted to come back to it. What is fear-based hiring?
2: Fear-based hiring uh, is when you get those mid- to low-level managers, and it's simply like, I've got to get my headcount. I've got to get a button in the seat. I've got to fill my roles so I don't lose my roles, and and I've just got to have my my full complement of my team. And so they're literally hiring fast and out of fear with the idea that when somebody is better than nobody.
1: And uh, what, when you think about all the people that you've met in the course of your career, what is that thread that – connects all those who are happy and living a fulfilling life
2: two things and i was studying all weekend for this um and and there's so many traits but i would boil it down to number one those people been curious they have curiosity as a trait and number two empathy they're always curious about everything in life and the people that they meet and they lack judgment they're always interested in learning and absorbing from all of the people that they meet And those are the people that I've learned the most from all around the world um, in the military and the civilian world, people that are curious, people that are open with empathy, don't judge, and really just want to absorb all the things that they can from every interaction that they have in their life. And I have have been the beneficiary of so many of those amazing people. Uh, My success is due to so many people, and we couldn't name them in two hours.
1: Well, that's a great plug for my radio show since we have all these interesting people and my my audience has got to be filled with those kind of people. So uh, based on that, if they listen, they're going to be happy people. So we'll leave it at that. Well, I want to thank you, George, for joining us. Uh, We've been talking to the co-author of The Talent War, And we've been talking about how special operation forces recruit and assess talent, approaches we can all adopt in building effective organizations. We'll post a link to this extraordinary book on our website, thementorsradio.com. And we're going to have George back in the future to talk about the path from military service to great fulfilling job in the private sector. You can learn more about this and other shows by going to our website. Remember, too, you can also listen to us online on any podcast platform or at thementorsradio.com. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. And remember, be all that you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness.
0: It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.